0: Hi Tom, hi Steve. Ich wünsche euch eine tolle show. Vielleicht kann ich bald meinen Senf dazugeben.
1: Welcome everybody to Masters of Profundication. I'm Tom Witham. I'm Steve Files. And we are going to talk today a little about that that was no segue, by the way. That was I decided not to segue. <laughs> Um, today we're going to talk about formulas in television and movies. I'm going to on... try
0: to talk about formulas in television and movies.
1: I'm high out of my mind, <laughs> inexplicably so. But on something that I don't know what it is. So <laughs> if I'm not in my right mind, I apologize. But well, apparently...
0: I mean, let's be honest: are we ever really in our right minds?
1: I think, therefore, I am.
0: Cogito ergo sum. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Dino. I know the last phrase. <laughs> I went there.
1: Yeah. Uh, okay. So let's let's start off by talking about what we've been doing for the past week. What have you been into? Besides Stay
0: home from blizzards, that's that's what I'm into.
1: <laughs> I was just going to say besides cabin fever.
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, let's see. I started binge watching Iron Fist.
1: Oh, I have no. Because seen- at this
0: point, when Netflix comes out with a new Marvel show, I can't say no. So
1: Okay, well, that brings up a pretty good question. Are you uh, at 100% with watching all of the Marvel Cinematic Universe shows, movies, etc., cetera, etc.? Cetera? Are you, this, this Marvel Studios that has created a cinematic universe that includes mm-hmm. television, are you at, what completion percentage are you at as far as what you've
0: seen? I've, the one thing I've not seen is the latest season of Heroes of, Sh- um, Ages of S.H.I.E.L.D., Actually, add the second season of Agent Peggy or whatever that was. Agent Carter. Um, Agent Carter. Yeah. (laughs) You
1: sexist. Of
0: course. (laughs) That tells me. I know, right? I'm horrible. I watched the first season. Yeah, it was it was fine. It was okay. Nothing right home about. Yeah, ditto. the first few seasons of like Agents of Shield was serviceable, it had its moments, but nothing that I just, I don't know. This whole year I've been abandoning a lot of my long running TV watching on purpose, and that was one of the ones that hit the cutting room floor, so.
1: Yeah. I haven't seen uh, most of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. A matter yeah. of fact, I didn't finish the first season. Uh,
0: but you got far enough that I told you my whole Buffy theory, right? Yes. Yeah, the- yeah. Yeah. If, you've, if you watch Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and you're a fan of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is a remake. The first season, at least, is a remake of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Just think about it straight out. You can think of every character in every major character as a one-for-one recreation of the Buffy characters. I think that and you need some to, of that means spoiler, but they're there.
1: I, I think that you need to lay that out and put it on the web and be I famous. I don't
0: know. I, know. I, I feel like that, I'm the only person that's come up with this. I seriously have not heard well, that, that from is,
1: anybody. Is your theory?
0: I mean, it's Joss Whedon. He's the one that came up with the first, at least the structure for the first season, so it makes sense. But yeah.
1: Um. Hmm. Yeah, I did not watch the second season of Agent Carter, uh, and I haven't watched all of Agents of Shield. <clears throat> There's probably a handful of the one shots. I think they're calling them the DVD specials and or the after credit scenes that they have. I may not be. I haven't. I don't think I've seen all those.
0: You mean like at the end of the movies, or?
1: Yeah, at the end of the movies. At the end of the credits, they have cutscenes and things along those lines. Uh
0: no, you never watch that because I usually just make myself wait and just, just um, see
1: what they're doing. Well, that could be that I haven't seen the ones that are included on the DVD special editions. Um, I, I can't think right now. I'm trying to think, rack my brain, and I, I don't know if I've missed any at the end of the credits. I almost missed the end of Doctor Strange because right. I fast forwarded. I saw it on DVD and I fast forwarded to the end of the credits and then... Um, before I took the DVD back to Redbox, I realized I heard through the grapevine that there was there were two cutscenes at the end of Doctor yeah. Strange. So I sure. had to go go back and watch the uh, the second one. The first one, they finish the first half of the previews. I'm sorry, huh? the credits. <laughs> and then, <laughs> the first half are done, and they play the one with Thor. Yeah, that's what I remember. I'm trying to think with the other and one. And then there was another one at the very end of the credits, when the, the scroll is done. Yeah. Because now credits are broken into two parts. You know that, right?
0: Yeah, because... They know you they're gonna put the good one in the middle of the uh middle of the credits because they know that they get your attention span for at least that far but
1: well i'm I'm talking specifically for modern movies. there are especially uh comic book movies. they are now doing uh two part credits. One is the flashy uh you know. Big star big, names, big star names, the A list, the A list business. Yeah, yeah. They get, uh, they get these special credits they are animated, an animated. They're, yeah, they're
0: popping up at you and all that stuff.
1: right? Whereas back, back in the day, there it was, was a just scroll. a, it was just a, yeah, that's all it was. And the and end of the movie, problem, it.
0: Like, Best Boy and Key Grip and all that crap.
1: <laughs> Correct. They still do that, but it's it's after some time. Back uh, a while ago, and I think they got away from doing this, especially in movies, not so much TV. I think they still do it in television. But they used to spend a good minute, two minutes, at the beginning of the movie flashing the names of the actors.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah, and I remember that.
1: They don't, they don't do that so much anymore. So now they're animating the... They're animating that and putting it at the end of the movie.
0: Yeah, they would have... Most movies, at least the ones worth watching, would have the action starting while some of the credits were playing like transparently or in the corner or something like that.
1: Right. And they're moving away from that a little bit.
0: Yeah,
1: Um, I don't have any specifics, but I just feel like that is more and more now we're getting right to business. Hmm. And, uh, boy, I wish I could remember. I remember it being a little bit of a revolutionary thing. um, And I'm sure we'll figure this out and we'll mention it at a later time in a different podcast but um one of the things that uh, they like to do is they you you watch the movie and then the last scene of the movie is the title of the movie
0: and oh, I'd yeah. like they to know when, like,
1: when that just started. Just
0: in case you forgot what you were watching, boom! Right,
1: like they yeah. won't show any opening credits, they won't show any of the title sequence they'll show you the movie and then at the very end, the very last scene is boom! This is what you're watching. Dr. Strange.
0: Yeah, well, I think even like the Dark Knight did that, if I remember. right. Like when he's driving off on his motorbike. His, yep. his special moped comes off in the tunnel. <laughs> and then, the Dark Knight. Da-da-da. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's what I was watching.
1: <laughs> Good thing. But I'd like to know where that started. That's something that I'll research. and We'll bring that. That'll, we'll have a call I'm going to say the
0: Dark Knight just because. <clears throat>
1: just because you like it that much. I don't need to be right if I'm
0: confident. That's the way it works.
1: Oh well, yeah, that's right. Modern America. <laughs> uh, yeah, we'll we'll figure that out. But um, I am not a hundred percent on the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and nor am I a hundred percent on the Star Wars universe, which bothers me because I set out at the beginning of the year to bring myself up to speed. Matter of fact, I you mean I, cinematically I, or
0: like the books?
1: Everything. Now, so you, not the Marvel Cinematic Universe, simply because... I mean, Star Wars. Star Wars, my plan was, before Rogue One, I wanted to have read all the books and watched all the Clone Wars and mm. all the cartoons. All the I wanted to have all the things that were canon in my brain for when I watched Rogue One. I failed miserably on that. I will That's, say that I did read... Uh, I reread, actually, The Phantom Menace, and... Got so frustrated with it <laughs> I, I I have to blame it. I have to blame the Phantom Menace uh, for my lack of following through on that simply because it's where I started. That is I think if you look at the list, the official canon list, and the timeline, I believe they count the phantom Menace as day one that is that's it that's where it begins
0: the, the book or the... the book yeah
1: well now, the I might book, be wrong the book
0: this. or the movie do you remember who the author of the book is
1: Terry. Terry uh, Brooks, Terry Brooks, yes, because he's a
0: kind of a. If you're like a fantasy nerd, he's kind of a big deal. Yep. And I can't
1: say that the book was written poorly, but it was an adapt adaptation. Well, he's also of, a
0: simplistic fantasy writer, too. If I have to yeah. have a little criticism, like he's great to. If you want to get your kid into reading fantasy, he's you start with Tolkien, then you go to Terry Brooks. Yeah. But as you kind of go along, it's like, eh, well.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um So I I actually downloaded all six. Uh, books on my kindle plus i want to say aftermath which is the book previous to rogue one (laughs) i should should know that as a star wars nerd i should know that but no it is the book aftermath is the book previous to episode seven and that tells the story of why all that
0: old guy well
1: i guess so i haven't read it
0: (laughs) See, but, yeah, that's, I was wondering, there must be a book that explains his deal, because he's just, it seems like dude. he should be a main character, but he's not.
1: Right. He's a guy that they the just movie. needed to, he needed to. Like I have his, a map, and then I die. Oh, I,
0: oh I'm, but not, I'm, before, gonna miss you.
1: not before he delivered a skewering line. No, Did you catch that? Uh, something about his the movie. very first line of the movie, he hands the map. Uh, over to Poe and then says this should fix things this should fix things and it was (laughs) in the in the internet the people in the internets have decided that that is J.J. Abrams saying all those prequels you know how they sucked well this should fix things
0: this should fix things so uh,
1: but it aftermath kind of goes through the reason why there are star destroyers that are crash landed on the planet. Uh, okay. Uh, it's Jakku, right?
0: Yeah. So Not Tatooine. Of... no no. No, no it, it's, Jakku. it's Jakku. And
1: they've crash landed a bunch of star destroyers and essentially it was like the empire's last ditch effort, like their final hurrah before they retreated into the outer limits of the galaxy. But they had a big battle and crashed a bunch of stuff there, and that's the story of it. And then there's also a video game that is canon. It's, I think, the only video game that is canon in the Star Wars universe right now, and it's not even the whole video game. It's only a certain mission, and I want to say that that video game is Battlefront.
0: Oh, yeah, that makes sense because that came out not that uh, long ago.
1: Yeah, I think that that came out before the movie. There is a mission side quest type thing that is canon not the whole video game just that one mission mm-hmm. so you've got the book the video game then episode seven starts and voila then they did a book before rogue one called can't remember
0: it's, that's a weird title
1: no no i can't remember <laughs> but it's uh it's a book that they highly recommend you read before you watch the movie so and, <laughs> i bet they do yeah you, we and, need a little more
0: money from you, then you can pay us money to watch the movie.
1: Right. So, uh, the people, again, that live on the internet were like, so we're having prequels to our prequels now? Is that how yeah. this the whole thing works? So, I'm a fan of prequels. I like prequels. Yeah, I think it's a
0: prequel to something.
1: Huh? Indeed. indeed. Th- deep thoughts. If you subscribe to that whole time concept, Shh, time. Shh. I think we talked about that last week.
0: Or anyway. will we talk about it in the future at Times A Circle? <laughs> Mind blown. Don't, don't, don't.
1: You've taken advantage of my, my state of... <laughs> your heightened state of awareness. My lack of awareness. I'm kind of under the idiocracy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing a little bit of... Uh, I'm going backwards in my thinking here. So my intelligence is dropping. My IQ points are dropping by the minute. <laughs> and I don't know why.
0: Anybody listening to this is like, wow, I guess one's a stoner. (laughs) It's good to to find out, I guess. Uh,
1: No, nope, not a stoner. Just uh, uh, it probably is because I uh, have spent maybe four or five hours this week sleeping. And the rest of the time I've either been at work taking care of my kids or playing Zelda Breath of the Wild.
0: That's what you've been up to this week. (laughs) That answers the question.
1: Yeah. (laughs) I've been playing that like crazy, like crazy, 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 and I have not slept at all, not even a little yeah, bit. Yeah, Jeez, I've been I getting remember, like three hours a night.
0: <laughs> that see that I feel like, like I want to like pat you on the back and be like, oh, I remember back when I was like that.
1: <laughs> yeah, like, well,
0: you're, like you, like you're somewhat of a newcomer to being obsessed with a video game. I feel, or at least a game like that. Well, I've been there many times, sadly enough.
1: Yeah, I'd say my experience with video games in a nutshell here, I'm going to break it down for you. When I was first introduced to the Nintendo entertainment system back in 1986, I know, I know it came out before that, but I didn't get a chance to play it until later because I lived out in the middle of the woods with, you know, no money. But anyway, uh, I was obsessed and every little game. I got my hands on, I played it to completion and I would stay up until I would sometimes wouldn't go to bed. Oh, yeah, That's yeah, how yeah. obsessed I was. Um, so then things got complicated with marriage and kids. Uh, fast forward to a time when I didn't have any responsibilities. Uh, my, <laughs> I got a GameCube, I guess is the best way to put it. <laughs> and I got back into playing some games and, again, didn't sleep. Got obsessed with games. Then I kind of didn't. I, I got a Wii. I got a Wii U. I'm not a, into PlayStation or Xbox or any of that. Mm-hmm. I I did get into some PC gaming a little bit with uh, Mist and those sequels and um, some first-person shooters, SimCities and stuff like that. But nothing really got me obsessed. Yeah. And then uh, along comes Mario Kart, and I'm you know I like to say that I'm pretty good at honing my skills on that because I've played hours and hours and hours of Mario <laughs> Kart. Um. But Mario Kart was an easy one to put down. It's really you, there's nothing to complete. There's just racing and racing and racing, and yeah. it, that does get monotonous. So this game is completely different. It is more like the games when I was a kid, and it confusing me and it's complicated. <laughs> and it, like it's challenging. I don't know what
0: I'm feeling. I I don't, I don't know all these new things. emotions.
1: Yeah, but it's uh it's such a big game. It's a huge world. It's You know, there's all kinds of things to do. There's, you know, there's horses to tame. There's dogs to make friends with. There's arrows to shoot into things and bad guys to slaughter. And you got to cook. You have to cook meals. You can actually go to an inn and rest and sleep for the night. And like, there are all these things. It's like, wow, Link gets to go sleep. And here I am (laughs) sitting on a couch at three o'clock in the morning. (laughs) I'm not going to sleep. So, you know, Welcome when I come to the open
0: world sandbox games, <laughs> you just yeah. you don't stop. Oh, it's rough. It's really like, hard. When your back is aching and your eyes are drooping, then you're like, all right, I I think maybe it's time. And then you yeah. dream about it. That's the greatest. And then you wake up thinking about it. And then you come <laughs> back to start. Especially like your week is just to be shocked, you know? Yeah.
1: Yeah, well, I it's it's a lot harder to do that when I have kids. So But not When, <laughs> when I have An opportunity to spend with my kids, I'm usually doing that rather than playing the game. But when they go to bed and my wife's in bed, you know, I come home from work at midnight, so that's prime time. Everybody's in bed, Mm -hmm. so I stay up and I play. But the unfortunate thing is, I gotta get up at seven o'clock in the morning and get my kids ready for school.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You can also nap in the morning if you needed to, but that would take. Why would you nap? So why would you
1: nap when you have an opportunity (laughs) to play Zelda? So. That's that's what I've been doing with my time. And that's probably why I'm a little bit loopy right now, is because I really haven't slept at all.
0: Yeah. Understandable. And, yeah.
1: So and I'm I'm enjoying playing. It's one of those things that I'm sure after a while it'll get old and I'll stop playing. But
0: And it'll be a little bit sad about that too, I guarantee you. Yeah. for the now. Time That game like, you love so much it starts to become a little bit of a drag, and you're like, What happened to me? What what happened to us? <laughs> what happened we'll, to us? How do we lose what we had? I could have been doing adult things. And here <laughs> I am. It's like But I got that sword and that one a rare piece of armor, so I've accomplished something with my time and yeah. I have like, made something of my life. I I told myself that over and over and over again. I am so accomplished. Oh, what a bummer. Bring it down. All right.
1: Okay. So let's talk a little bit about television and movies and formulas.
0: Yes. Yeah, see, now I think formulas is like a big umbrella for what I feel like we, we're going to talk about.
1: Well, let's let's break it down for somebody that might not know what we're talking about. Uh, formulas are very much exactly what that you think they are. Uh, a TV show like gets standards. A TV show gets made, and there are certain things that need to go into making a television show. Writing being probably one of the most important thing, and uh, when you're writing which I have no experience with, but it's evident when you watch a show, especially when you watch a show start to finish, episode after episode, season after season, it becomes very formulaic. And so break down, let's just, I'm going to say CSI. Break down yeah. the formula of a CSI episode.
0: That's a good example because the procedurals fall into this, procedurals and sitcoms fall into this uh, This um, trap. I guess you could call it a trap. It's hard to say because... Well, it's not necessarily a bad thing. Right, it's but. you. You watch these shows for a reason, and you, the reason is you know what to expect. You know what you like. You know what to expect. You know you're gonna you're gonna turn it on. Okay, like look at CSI. You're gonna turn it on, and you're going to know that they're gonna find something that's out of place, something that's in their world a unique case. Even though it's some, you know, a new one pops up every week. It's like, all right, this is a mystery. What what are we gonna do? And you've gathered the usual suspects. And you go through the instances. And pretty quick, within the first 10 minutes, a, <clears throat> a candidate for who done it pops up. But the formula dictates that will never, ever be the actual person that done it. Or if it is, by chance, the one that did it, then the reason they did it is completely different than the reason that everybody's going to assume. Right. There would be a twist. Yes. So in but a CSI, nine episode, times out of 10, it's the person you think did it in the first 10 minutes never do- actually do- does it.
1: So if we were going to write a uh, a CSI episode, we would have to have uh, the show open with a crime being committed. I think almost. I yeah, like CSI, you have
0: the aftermath of the crime.
1: Right. So you have you have the crime, which is usually a murder. Yeah. I I think with the CSI, it's almost always a murder right
0: almost i can't i mean
1: i can't think of one instance where there's, csi there's
0: probably was... an exception but that would be like the exception okay
1: so you thing. have uh you have to have some sort of body being found by some unsuspecting unwitting person they yeah. stumble across a crime scene that is somewhat bizarre maybe uh maybe something that you hadn't thought of maybe it was ripped from the headlines maybe it and was somebody will comment on that too like
0: i've never seen this before or oh my god this is
1: this is brand new. String. I'm so I'm glad excited. I I bought this special CSI tool in order to <laughs> investigate it. Out of so you're going to all
0: the CSI tools.
1: You're going to have uh an unwitting person discover a body in in a weird way. So yeah. then you're going to go to uh the who singing a song and yeah. <laughs> openly <laughs> CSI. And then and when, you come back from, when you come back from commercial, you're going to have the CSI team on scene, probably some yellow do not cross tape. You're going to mm-hmm. have uh, some press. You're going to have some witnesses, some onlookers, and you're going to have the CSI team crouching near a body with maybe a tarp or a sheet or something. Yeah. And then... You're going to scan the crowd. You're going, to, you're going to pan over the crowd because the killer always likes to revisit the crime scene. We all know that. That happens 100% of the time. That's what these shows have taught me. <laughs> the killer always returns. There's so, a,
0: as a quick tangent, there's an episode of The Shield, which I did not watch the whole way through, but I watched it for a season, where the killer does return and he whacks off all over the crime scene <laughs> that he returned to. Right. Well, I
1: mean, why else so- would you? Show why up. would you just do that? yeah, yeah, uh, so th- that is the beginning of a cSI now, then we're going to retreat to the lab and in the lab, they're gonna be- have a roundtable discussion about what it could be. This is also a time for them to sum up any type of drama that is happening between any of the main characters, whether yeah. somebody is dating somebody, whether somebody right. is doing something, and they'll add a little bit of dialogue. Then there's going to be a twist. Then there's Mm -hmm. going to be a lab tech call and say, we found something that we've never seen before. This is bizarre. You've got to come and see this. So then you're going to have the CSI people looking over the body in the morgue. Uh, They'll have a discussion about what weird thing, you know, we found a moth in the trachea of the, you know what I mean? There's (laughs) going to be something. And then, um, so they'll go back out to the field, and then there's going to be a roundup of usual suspects, uh, maybe some interrogations. Um, while this is going on, the lab tech is going to have a dun-dun-dun montage. <laughs> and
0: You gotta have the montage.
1: So the montage is going to have some freaky techno music playing while they're looking in test tubes, and there's there'll be, you know, Bunsen burners, there'll be... There'll be be and blood spatter. Blood spatter. There'll be people wearing goggles that are spraying fake blood. There'll be uh, test patterns run on firearms. You know, those types of things. But it'll all be done in a montage with music in the background. So then there'll be that uh (laughs) narrowing down of the suspect and then that suspect will be in an interrogation room you'll everybody including the audience and the everybody's going to think that's we got the guy but then dun 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 something some evidence got you know found out that only csi people can find out and then it'll be revealed who actually did it and then guess what? You're going to get a
0: confession mm. every single episode. And they'll tell you exactly why they had to do what they had to do. Yep. And this they, is... at least somewhat amazed that nobody understands and agrees with them. Yep. At yep. least a little bit.
1: Yep. And that is, uh, I'm going to say roughly right. 100% of every CSI episode.
0: And this is the formula for almost every procedural known to man. Law and order. Here's my personal favorite. And I do like this show but I still can't help it shit all over it is house where yeah. the whodunit is, you know, a disease,
1: a disease. Yeah. So it's the same thing, only it's in a hospital. And right. I think one of the things they did with house, which i never watched a single episode. I I'm familiar with it in its place in pop culture. Uh, I know the players and the actors. I know some of the story, but from what I understand from it, didn't they do a little bit more uh, work into fleshing out his persona?
0: Yeah, he. This is, that's one of the reasons I like the show because they did the characterization was actually really good. Yeah, and you, you got to know he he. I don't know, I'll say changed as the seasons went on, but he was still largely the irascible, misanthrope that really didn't like anybody, and most people didn't really like him. Well, but he was he, British, <laughs> not in the show. I mean, oh, not in the Lord show. Is, <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: Okay, I thought in the show he was also British. It was like, not of course, not. everybody hates him.
0: No, <laughs> no. You can't hate a British guy, I me. Mean, Jeez.
1: <laughs> oh well, one that is like you know a know-it-all. Of course you can. No, okay. I'm sorry. You're right.
0: But <laughs> Sherlock Holmes. <laughs> exactly. Well, that's another tangent. But House is Sherlock Holmes. Yeah, like it really is. Like they they just took Sherlock Holmes and put it in a medical setting
1: and gave him a different but, sidekick.
0: Yeah. Well, Watson was Wilson. You know, that's it's just it's actually pretty obvious once you start looking at House Holmes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, he, it would always go the same way. Somebody come in, his whole shtick was he'd only look at cases where he was fascinated by them. If it was Monday, he didn't care. So he would, you know, way through the drama of the day, you know, who, what characters are who, who's doing what to who, blah, 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 blah. But the main case, you go through, he would have his team, like, start throwing out ideas. They would all be wrong. <clears throat> every single last one of them would always be wrong. Always. So these are the, this is the who's who, the who whodunits, the usual suspects, was the ideas. And they're all yeah. wrong. And they almost, <laughs> almost every episode became a running joke. It was one of them would say autoimmune, lupus? And it was never, ever, Lupus. It was never an autoimmune disease. That became kind of a burning joke among House fans was it's once somebody's gonna have to stay autoimmune and it was it will never ever be autoimmune. <laughs> and then he goes along, and they get stumped, something they, they try a treatment, it doesn't work. In fact, makes things worse. And something random, something that has nothing to do with anything, will happen to House and will get this far away look, and it'll give him the inspiration he needs to figure it out, to put two and two together, and then boom, he figures it out. Doesn't always sure. save him. Sometimes that people die, but he's still always figures it out
1: Uh uh-huh i see
0: and that was this is and this is what we're talking about these are the formulas that if you deviate from these things people don't like it Hmm. like people will scream about this is so unoriginal I can't believe you can. I I will watch a TV show, and not even just one of the heavy formulaic TV shows. But I will still say the line that the character is going to say next, even though I've never seen the episode before in my life. Just because yeah. cer- certain things, I watch enough TV over the years that certain things just come in cycles. And Hollywood scriptwriters know that they have to say certain things, certain phrases like "Who are you?" or "You know, ooh, that's going to hurt." You know, something like that. Yeah, they have to say these phrases over and over again.
1: So these formulas. They can be applied to any procedural. Uh, I would say any
0: procedural and almost every sitcom.
1: I was just going to say sitcoms are not immune, autoimmune. <laughs> uh, it's never autoimmune. Callback. Anyway, mm. uh, sitcoms also have
0: a formula. Yes. But I, I want to... what what I <laughs> My pet theories if you don't mind me getting into it no go ahead because we've talked about this in the past the formulas for sitcoms every episode structure follows the same type of thing three act structure friends was notorious for this where you have the main plot but you also have two subplots going on at the same time they might intersect they usually do but only one is the plot that moves the whole episode forward that everybody's going to be really focused on and then laugh 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 some kind of resolution move on but if a see if a sitcom is successful it will have a formula that is like a meta formula. It's a it's an overarching formula that every sitcom has to follow a trajectory. Mm-hmm. I personally call it the Buddy Limbeck syndrome. Ah, let's now talk that, on the internet it's called the flanderization. But that's stupid. Mine's better. <laughs> Mine predates Flanders. Flanderization being Ned Flanders on The Simpsons.
1: Right. So uh, can quick, you explain that?
0: The Buddy Limbeck syndrome is named after Buddy Limbeck, a character in Charles in Charge, mm-hmm. who when you start watching the early episodes of Charles in Charge in the mid 80s, mid to late 80s, I believe, he's a normal guy. He's like a kind of a slacker, kind of a trying to get char- Charles is the responsible one. Scott Bayo mm-hmm. is the responsible one. And uh, I can't remember who the actor that plays Buddy Limbeck is. He's, but Buddy Limbeck's his best friend. He's, you know, trying to get Charles into trouble. Like, hey, we got to go out and party. We got to go find these girls and, you know, hook up and blah, blah, blah. By the end of Charles in Charge, Buddy Limbeck is so completely retarded that he should put a cork on his fork to keep himself from poking in the eye when he eats. Like, he is drooling on himself, needs to be institutionalized, just dumb.
1: Now, what's important here is there's a reason for that. Right. Because you
0: can't just watch a character be that same character for four years, five years, seven years, eight years, however long the show's on, because it gets old. Right. But it becomes... the. There's a trajectory, there's a timeline. The longer a show uh, sitcom goes, the more absolutely ridiculous the characters become.
1: A good example being Joey from Friends.
0: Joey from Friends is the quintessential Buddy Limbeck, but every character from Friends follows the same problem. Let me, I will will illuminate this. Yes. Joey from Friends becomes, like I said, drool on yourself stupid.
1: Right, when he's introduced in the show, he's a dumb actor that's yep. kind of a womanizer, that's maybe not the smartest guy. He's not the sharpest knife in the drawer, but he's also, yeah. he's not that dumb. He's got street smarts. and
0: he's, he's got some good quips, and he's got things that, you know, you, would, you, you everybody knew a Joey from first season. Everybody knows that guy. Yeah. Everybody knew every one of these guys, kind of the intellectual, kind of the slutty one, kind of the uptight, you know. Breakfast club. Sure. But by the end, Joey became just an imbecile.
1: Yeah, look, a at, mess.
0: look at um, Phoebe. Phoebe's character in the first season was a space cadet hippie. Very, very sweet, very naive, and kind of airheaded. She became a raging bitch by the end of that series. <laughs> Just a horrible... Like, who would ever be her friend by the end of that series? Just terrible. Terrible person. The space cadet hippie kind of went out the window. Yeah. Uh, the smelly cat. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, by the time she started to stop seeing Smelly Cat, her personality just collapsed. She just became terrible to everybody, a conniving, backstabbing, true. Monica should have been on medication for her OCD. (laughs) Well, and that's a good point that you make about
1: Monica. And what it boils down to is they may introduce uh, a character with a a quirkiness or some sort of quirk. Right.
0: One personality quirk becomes all they are.
1: Right. It it consumes them because week after week and episode after episode, they kind of expand on that one little quirk. And it's sometimes it's a small jump and mm-hmm. sometimes it's a huge jump. But Monica was introduced as being a little OCD. But and she was by- the rock.
0: She was the responsible one. She was the level-headed one.
1: Right. But by the end, she was crazy about the furniture being in the right spot. and
0: yeah. like I said, she should have been on medication. Like, somebody with that severe of an OCD problem would have been on medication in real life. Right. And then you have Ross, who was, you know, the intellectual kind of goofy one. By the end, he, he was like king of the nerds. Right. Like, he was like the... Um, empty-headed, the absent-minded professor stereotype. Yep. Like, real smart, but has no real social skills and makes every stupid decision in the world when it comes to dealing with other people. You know, Rachel was kind of the air-headed one, but by the end, they established her history, and she was just like a raging whore, like her entire life for some reason.
1: Now, this, this is a problem, but it is the television that we have. And I think that it would be, when I think about it, I think about how difficult it would be to sit and watch a TV show where the characters maintain their level of, well, whatever characterizes them. If they maintained it and didn't deviate that at all, Mm -hmm. would would it be just as good? And when I think about that, I think about Arrested Development. Right. And I, I want to say that through the whole series of Arrested Development, they all had their arcs. They all went up and down. But mm-hmm. in reality, they were the same characters from the start as they were at the finish. They were I... all batshit crazy. <laughs>
0: I completely agree, which is why I tend to think, like, I know I said, I think you have two choices when you're running a successful TV show. Take the shortcut and do the Joy Lindex syndrome. I'm not going to call it the flatterization. Screw that. Where every character becomes, like, the most cartoonish aspect of their personality traits. That's right. the shortcut, but it does keep things progressing, maybe even fresh, if fresh is the right word. But it does, it, it, you find why you like these characters and you just keep, and you notch that up to 11. Right. So it, it really but, puts
1: it really puts that in kind of a finite. This is going to end. There's yes. no way that there's, this there's person at that
0: point before it become completely ridiculous. Yes. Urkel from what was that Family Matters was yeah. a perfect example when they went way past that. <laughs> way past. Like that show became a, a jumble mess of fantastical nonsense by the end of its run. I, I didn't even bother watching it. Maybe the first few seasons but i've heard enough about what happened that i can't even imagine like a real fan of that show like who hung on to the end like he went back in time he went into space he was making robots it was insane
1: but that's not how that show started but that's a it's a perfect example of really once you start down that path there's there's no hope for you
0: (laughs) And that's the one path, and that's the that's the easy path. And you can ask success. Look at friends. People are going to be talking about friends forever. Mm-hmm. Which is a song from Stay by the Bell. Boom. Sorry, <laughs> that was a that was a very esoteric nerd thing to say, but there it is. Um, that's okay. Well, and that's another example
1: of a show that went to extremes. And then I want to say that. Th- I can't say that too much because they did leave and go to college, and of course they were teenagers. So, mm. th- of course they're gonna they're gonna change over the course of their teenage years. They they're not gonna be the same people, right? So and that, that might not be fair to that, that show. That was Like a
0: low brow, not low brow, but that was like a a very low
1: after school
0: bar yeah. for sitcom, anyways. Like Agreed. nobody was expecting that one to knock it out of the park. It was like kitschy and it was good it was fun when you were a kid and that's right. all it was
1: but it also it tackled some some uh f- examples of things that might happen to a teenager through those years and then it <gasps> kind of shed some light
0: forbid, sure <laughs> <laughs> put it on a caffeine pill and see who hasn't been there
1: <laughs> yeah i know
0: uh Oh, that's great. Anyway. But anyway, TV so that, was- that's your one option. That's your, I'd call it the crutch option. It works. Mm-hmm. It gets you around. Yep. The rest of development would be your second, second option. Like you said, they didn't change. But the show was funny all the way through. It was. Due to somebody somewhere, some team of people knuckling down, doing the work, and actually coming up with a web. And it really was a web of plots and coherent comedies Comedy. Jokes. Yeah. That just... Everything was a call, like everything was build-up, and then you had the callbacks. They're like, oh, my God, I see what they did there. You can yep. reexamine it years later and see things you missed. And it was just brilliant, and that's because they did the work. They, they said, you know what? We're not going to use this crutch of mm-hmm. everybody comes like – I mean, Job was ridiculous for episode one, and he was just that ridiculous in episode you know, 50, whatever the right. last one was.
1: Right. Now, so, I'm going to be a little blasphemous for a minute, mm-hmm. and I'm going to call out uh, probably so – No, well, I mean so, – yeah. One of the worst that suffers from this, um, I don't know. I might be eating my words here a little bit, but I'm going to just call out The Simpsons.
0: Oh, God. Yeah, that's not blasphemous. The Simpsons, there's a reason why this is called flannerization <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I mean, he's the most glaring. He, he started off as a basic, just like a good guy that was a foil for Homer because they need a foil for Homer. Right. And he became like the the worst stereotype of a right-wing Christian conservative you could ever put on paper. Yep. Which, to be fair, there's probably right-wing conservative Christians that are exactly like that, but.
1: (laughs) Right. And, I don't know. I, the one thing that I can think of is, is maybe if you take the first season of the Simpsons and just throw that away, not that it was bad. I'm just saying that you just take that right out of the that equation. Was a real
0: season.
1: Yeah. And then from there, Homer Simpson doesn't, I mean, he's a no nothing slob from the jump and he's still a no nothing slob. Now mm-hmm. has he gone to outer space?
0: Yeah.
1: yeah. Has, has he <laughs> tamed a lion? Has he, You know, been in a monster truck show has, he? you know, what is it that Homer Simpson hasn't done that the no nothing slob, there's no way they would have done. So it, you know, that's a different, I guess, type of show simply because you can do that with a cartoon.
0: Sure. So I, mean, I think a, that it,
1: it doesn't suffer as much as some of these other shows.
0: Definitely some of the characters did. Like Mo would be another example of a character that went to the personality extreme, uh, Dr. Hibbert. You know, some of the side characters, they even tried to give a character art to Barney where he was getting sober. Then they gave that up and made him a drunk again. You know, <laughs> just because you're right. Especially when a show goes on that long, you're going to start hitting those same beats. You're going to like, okay, we can't be that innovative. Like... Even something that is, you know, quote unquote subversive as Family Guy or South Park, you know, and other of these animated shows still keep to the same. Like they're never going to screw their main characters that hard. If you watch South Park, Mr. Garrison went through this whole, he's transgender. Mr. Garrison with Mr. Hat, then he's gay, then he's a transgender. Now he's back to being a guy, yeah, now he's Donald Trump, but, <laughs> but he's still looping back around to where he started. You know, Kenny died, 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 died. Then they laughed it off and gave it an explanation because he's got superpowers. And then now he's just kicking around, but he's barely in the episodes anymore because they figured that one characteristic of his was getting old, but they didn't have a new one to replace it. So what's just happened there? Yeah, Butters became the new Kenny. He yeah. became the fourth one in that quad. so.
1: Okay, well, how does this apply to movies? movies? Give me an example of a movie that is... Formulaic to all the other movies that are
0: formulaic. I would say movies, you're not going to hit the same problems because unless you're something like I don't like Harry Potter where you're running for multiple you know parts in a series, mm-hmm. you're not going to have really the characters become that polarized in their personalities. So, so we, the course of a movie, you're going to have the a natural character arc, but it's planned, you know, part of the story.
1: So the cinema formulas are different from the television formulas they're still formulaic in the sense that we can take a cookie cutter mold and and we can put a movie out there that fits the same mold as the last movie that came out It's so it's a, still a formula but it's a different type of formula is that what you're saying
0: yeah i mean there is software you can get that's screenwriting software where it tells you okay a minute of movie time is going to be, have to be a, like a page of a script, like one page equals one minute, something like that, roughly. You, you, something like, all right, this amount of time into your movie, you're going to have to have this happen, like um, this main character's got to be introduced, or this crisis has to happen, or a character has, depending on, you know, what genre of movie, this character has to die. Every movie's going to have a three-act structure where they introduce what's going on, they move forward, they establish where you're going and what needs to happen and why, whatever the problem is, is a problem. And the third act just ties it all up. Yeah. Movies that deviate from that stand out from the pack in a huge way.
1: Now, when you say stand out, do they fail?
0: No, not well, I sure they some have stood out and failed, but I think some of the best movies stand out from the pack. Pulp fiction. That's exactly what I was thinking of. Because that was just nonlinear. It was all over the place. Even Reservoir Dogs, you could say, hit that. So, you know, Tarantino movies, I guess, in general, with all his later stuff, hits the same formulas, anyways. Yeah. So, I, I and I, I want to say, like, a movie like Memento is the same thing, but it, it's kind of a three-act structure, just in reverse, you know? Right.
1: True. Spoiler alert. Right. Uh, so,
0: what, this was, there's a reason why the movie going audience, the public in general, hungers for a twist in a lot, at least in a thriller or a sci-fi movie or something like that, a horror movie, a movie without a twist seems vaguely unsatisfying because then you've just watched the same movie you've seen a million times with a different veneer.
1: Right. It's almost like there has to be no matter how small there has to be something that shows up on screen that the audience was not expecting.
0: Yeah. I need you to be clever for me to invest my time in this movie. Yeah. Like there's nothing worse than walk away from a movie that I feel like I was cheated with, you know, like, well, that ended exactly like I was going to end, you know? Um, example, like I love horror movies, but horror movies don't love me. Like, I feel like it's an abusive relationship, <laughs> like I keep going to see them, but I keep getting disappointed. I yeah. just watched one a few months ago. Was it called lights out? Yep. Where they turn the light off. And the monster appears. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if they meant for there to be a twist, but if they did, they did a piss poor job because, like, right from the beginning, you could guess who the main you know, person you had to interact with to defeat the monster was and blah, 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 blah. Everything happened exactly from start to close, exactly how I thought it was going to happen. Mm-hmm. And a couple jump scares, a couple of decent creepy scenes, but for the most part, I was unsatisfied because I wasn't challenged. I wasn't, there was nothing clever I saw in there. Right. There was, back when I thought Emma Shyamalan was making good movies, when, um, was that one about the pilgrims or whatever? The village. The village. When that came out, I spent like a good month ahead of time just running through my mind, what could be the? twist? This is at my shumlot? He's going to put a twist. What's the twist? And I just kept running through the variables and odds, and I told myself, all right, well, what's the most logical twist? It looks like it's taking place in the eighteen hundreds. It's not actually taking place in the eighteen hundreds, right? And boom, I called it, and I hated that I called that. I spoiled it for myself.
1: Yeah, I. I like The Sixth Sense, and I haven't seen his newest one. What is it? The Switch or something like that? Was um, I can't I just,
0: remember. That. I just saw it, and I can't remember the name. Of it. Well, anyways, I'll just tell you that if that's another one, if you think there's supposed to be a twist, there's now there's a surprise at the end, but you can't call it a twist, not really. Yeah, I
1: he lost me with signs. Just sorry, yeah. sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and the
0: happening. Oh, geez, the happening.
1: I I couldn't, and I guess the happening to me sounds like a really cool premise.
0: Split. That's the name of the movie. Split. Sorry. Okay, yeah, that's yeah. all right.
1: Um, but the happening was just the, a bad movie. Like the acting yeah. was bad, and the writing was bad, and it was, oh, it was bad. I, I mean, Marky
0: Mark is never going to win an Oscar, but even on this one, he was cut so himself short.
1: <laughs> yeah, I like him as an actor, though. He's a serviceable he's, actor. Yeah, he's.
0: Someday gets, in some podcast, like I got to talk my theory of which we've talked about my tier one, tier two, tier three, tier four actors.
1: We should do that next week. Sure. Mm-mm. No, next week we have something else planned. Okay. Next week we have the escape room.
0: Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. Next, next week is
1: the, the escape room episode.
0: And we can't um, tell you anything more about it.
1: Let's just say it's the escape room
0: episode. <laughs> that's all you know. Yeah. And you probably could figure out exactly what we're talking about just from that, <laughs> but it's okay.
1: So, um, I feel like that we should, uh, see if formulas exist in any other form of pop culture comic books. Oh yeah.
0: Well, if you, if you're a comic fan, the formulas are (laughs) fast and furious. They're just rampant.
1: One of the things that I find absolutely fascinating about comic books is the way that they keep them fresh. And by that I mean by they constantly flip the universe, and so that you gets, can <clears throat> you can read a run of a comic book, and then when it's done, they're going to change it. Yep, because they can,
0: because they need to. They, they have. That's not even a can. They at, that, at this point in the game. What are we? A good eighty years since comic books really the superhero. At least I will say this: comic books is a very wide, very huge genre. I mean, comic book. It's like saying I'm into books. You know okay, what kind of books? So are you know, thrillers, right. dramas, romance,
1: self-help, you know,
0: alternative history, whatever. Yes, there is a comic book for every taste you have. The indie comic world is rife with all kinds of goodness. So if you ever thought about getting the comic books and you feel like they're for kids, you're wrong and go fuck yourself. If you can, <laughs> If you just thought there was nothing in it for you because you're not into superheroes, there is something in it for you. I guarantee you, anybody out there is going to find some conflict in the light.
1: So how many times can Batman get put in the same situation before you have to just throw him away and rewrite him from a different starting point? Is that and what that we're talking exactly,
0: about? Yes, exactly. Superhero comic books, especially because you're dealing with the exact same characters for decades, they hit the same cycles. A, new, a big event happens. Somebody, at least one main or at least decently main character is going to die. Oh. Dun, dun, dun. People are going to react to it. The status quo is going to shook up for a little bit. But as time goes on, that character that died is going to come back in some way, shape, or form. They're going to go back to the status quo in some way, shape, or form with a maybe a little bit tweaking here, a little bit tweaking there, and then the new arc happens and the new big event happens. In Marvel, there's a big, huge coming-to-white crossover every year, at least one. In D.C., they seem to want to reboot their entire universe every five years. Mm-hmm. And they just got done with another huge reboot, and they just did one five, six years ago. But people hated it, so they called it, oh, it's a recreation, and they went back to status quo. They, get, they brought everything back that everybody used to like. So
1: I guess the point being that how many times has Batman's parents been killed?
0: How many <laughs> time, how many times do we have to get told that?
1: And how many times has Superman, you know, escaped uh, his planet as a baby, landed right. on Earth and raised by, you know, so those have to get tweaked in order but to. But they can never get lost. Out.
0: They can never, you can, you can work things around it. You can add things in like the Superman story, um, the death of Superman in the 90s, this thing called Doomsday, this big monster killed him. Then they try to explain where Doomsday came from. They said, oh, oh...
1: I I know. Doomsday came from that movie last
0: year, Batman versus Superman, right? I don't know what you're talking about. Okay, I'll let you... There's finish. a big vi- vacant hole in my memory of something I've kind of repressed. <laughs> that might <laughs> be what you're talking about? I don't know. All right, I'll let you finish here. I... <laughs> but Doomsday was, you know, this is an example of something that they... They try to fit something in through the cracks and the nooks. They, they established that Doomsday was the result of this genetic experiment these scientists pulled on ancient Krypton before there was any you know, Kryptonians as we know them on there, that this, essentially they kept putting a baby out into this crappy, you know, primal world full of monsters. And the monsters rip the baby apart, you know, quick. And they take the genetic material and the genes learned from the deaths. And they just Ah. did this over and over and over again for years and years and years until finally something got put out there that wouldn't get killed by the monsters. And he roamed around the planet, destroying all the, was essentially Kryptonian dinosaurs. (laughs) Do You know who used that really well? Hmm?
1: You know who used that really well? Hmm. They kind of stole that and gobbled it up and stole it. Uh, The Incredibles. Pixar's The Incredibles. At the end, when he when Mr. Incredible goes to the island and uh, Syndrome, who's the main bad guy, he has these machines that he's making that are learning how to he's he's kidnapping superheroes, putting them, straining them on the island. And then he he builds these machines to kill them. And each time one gets taken out by a superhero, uh, he he learns learns. how he learns how it happens. And then he creates a machine that is going to stop that from happening. So by the time he gets to Mr. Incredible, it, he's defeated all these superheroes and learned all their weaknesses. So now this is a super machine to destroy Mr. Incredible.
0: So. Which the, the Incredibles, that is much more plausible than dead genetic material. Sometimes retains a memory of how it died. Yeah, that's. But the, the idea, back to the, rest, the idea is that Doomsday walked around, killed all the ancient dinosaurs, paving the way for the humanoids. Ah. the uh, Superman's people to rise. So Superman owes oh, his existence to Doomsday. And that's an example of what they can do to try to keep things fresh or unique or you know, say something new about it. Like Batman, they keep trying to wedge in that he might have an older brother somewhere, maybe, maybe not. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's a joker, Perhaps. maybe not. You know. Ooh. Maybe Alfred, his mother had an affair, maybe not. Oh you know, snap. How about, they don't change the core of the character, but they can have around in
1: How about Batman's mother is the Joker. That happened. And Batman. Oh. oh. Yep. Yeah. I thought I said, it, no. it no, I didn't. I didn't invent that. I know this that it was actually <laughs> Bruce Wayne that was killed in the alleyway. Right,
0: right, right.
1: Bruce's father becomes Batman, his, his mother becomes, becomes the Joker. The Joker. Yeah. yeah. That sounds actually kind of cool.
0: That's, and I'll give them that. That's original. That's creative enough. But this is why I stopped reading superhero comic books a while ago, for the most part, because they just hit. Like, there's nothing invested. You can't invest yourself in it because. You realize that everything that you loved as a kid or even, you know, for years, they'll toss out the window to try to shake things up. And they're like, okay, okay, I'm going to get used to this new one. Then it comes back. And then you're like, all right, so what was the point of this? And it's just, it goes back and forth and it's just like a yo-yo. Mm-hmm. And you just, get, it gets old. And you realize there's nothing, they keep putting these taglines and nothing will ever be the same again. And. Not a dream, not an imaginary tale. This is for real. This is, this counts. This is going to happen. Uh-huh. And you're just like, but no, it's going to get reversed somehow as time goes on. So what's the point? Why should I get that invested? Why should right. I be that shocked or that amazed by it?
1: So formulas,
0: good or bad? Uh, Necessary. <laughs> good and bad. Good and bad. Like I said, the point of all this is to be entertained. And if you need a, if you Watching a Formula Egg show and you're entertained, that's fine, right? You know, we just need to be distracted from our shitty, shitty existence. (laughs) (laughs) And a Formula Eight show does that, but it is a crutch. It is something that a good writer or a good team of writers is going to be able to get past. Yeah, which speaks to creativity in general, which I think we're going to keep as its own topic as we go along. We'll cover that, yeah. Down the road, yeah.
1: Okay. Well, I feel good about that. How do you feel? Sure. So Is there anything we I didn't feel like,
0: cover? I, I feel like we plugged all the parts into the equation and the formula worked out. <laughs> Ooh,
1: that's good. I like that. Math quit. Okay, well, let's do some trivia. Do you have a all trivia right.
0: question? I have a trivia question. This one's not exactly profound. You went first last time, right? So
1: I don't remember, but okay, I'm, I'm, I'm game.
0: Mine it's close to home. If i just giving it away, but... All right. Which state in the United States has more shoreline than the entire Atlantic seaboard put together? Maine. Nope.
1: What? Rhode Island. Well, Maine
0: technically is part of the Atlantic seaboard, so...
1: Oh. I just... I remember from... In... Uh... Grade school. We're taught that if you took Maine's coastline and stretched it out straight, it would go from east coast to west coast. So, anyway, the that's question... probably true.
0: But even with that and the rest of the east coast put together, mm-hmm. this state still has more shoreline than that.
1: Michigan. Mmm. Michigan with the Great Lakes.
0: With the because because of the Great Lakes, Michigan, if you count all its islands and all that crap like that, has more shoreline than the entire eastern seaboard.
1: Ooh, that's a that's a factoid.
0: Plus, and just so you know, if you emptied out the Great Lakes, Uh six quadrillion gallons of fresh water, it's one-fifth of the entire world's fresh water supply, if you spread out evenly over the United States, we'd be under 9.5 feet of water.
1: Water world.
0: Boom. Freaking
1: Didn't he have to go pretty deep to get down to the Statue of Liberty? <clears throat> or whatever skyscraper he was getting into.
0: I he had gills or something. I don't know. I don't know. It was he a was weird lying.
1: movie. Speaking lying. of genetically changing yourself to fit the whatever. <laughs> the formula. Yes, we were.
0: Mm. <laughs> oh, okay, I got you. <laughs> yeah.
1: Um all right. So, so yeah, that, that one I thought. <laughs> I'm
0: from Michigan, I'm gonna have a Michigan question. Boom, there you go. <laughs>
1: Well, I did have an astronomy question, so it stands to reason that we'd have at least one geology question. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess that
0: would be geology, right? <laughs> geography? Close
1: enough. Geography. Yeah, geography. I Again, I'm not in my right mind, so I might not even get my trivia question out correctly. Mm. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay, mine is a seek the truth. Actually, it's more seek the lie. I'm going to make three statements and you tell me which one is not true.
0: is not true. Okay. I'm okay. Terrific. You ready? Yes.
1: Um, Scooby-Doo's real name is Scoobert. That's one. Okay. Number two is there is a kind of Mentos with an ingredient made of insects. <laughs> and number three is uh, former governor Mitt Romney,
0: mm-hmm.
1: Massachusetts governor, was in, featured in a deleted scene from... Aerosmith, and Run DMC's Walk This Way music video in the 80s. Oh, man. So the three are...
0: <laughs> oh, my God. What was Scooby-Doo's real name supposed to be? scooby Okay. <laughs>
1: Scooby-Doo's, Scooby-Doo's real name is Scoobert. Scoobert. Scoobert New. That's his real name. Uh, there is a type of Mentos that is made from insects, has an ingredient of bugs Yeah. or... Massachusetts Governor Mitt Romney was featured in a deleted scene from Aerosmith and Run DMC's Walk This Way music video. Which one is the lie? See, now,
0: I would almost say the first one, but I'm not going to because (laughs) I know that Shaggy has an actual real name, too, and I can't remember what it is offhand. So it makes sense that Scooby-Doo would have an actual real name that they just don't use.
1: And it's Scoobert. Scoobert.
0: I'm going to say that's not a lie. Okay. I want to say the Mitt Romney run DMC thing is a lie. I didn't even know there was more than one type of Mentos, but sense the reason they could add some kind of insect protein or some crap like that in there, <laughs> so okay, Mitt Romney run DMC. Mitt Romney, you are absolutely
1: correct. That is the lie.
0: Because that seems when that video came out, who was Mitt Romney that they would have put him in there, anyways? Well, maybe he know? was just
1: maybe he was just a nobody that was in he the was. music video and <laughs> it was deleted.
0: He was a backup dancer. Oh my god, that would have <laughs> been the greatest thing!
1: ever. Uh, anybody real, knows how to dance?
0: Like the Mormons. <laughs> Scooby Doo's
1: real name is Scoobert. Scoobert yeah. Doo, and everyone's yeah, a real name that'll pop into that. my head, and I will laugh a lot because his name is Scoobert, which is one of the greatest <laughs> names ever. Uh, red... I want to say Shaggy's
0: name is Norville or something weird like that.
1: Red Mentos. The They get their red color from a red insect.
0: <laughs> Ladybugs?
1: So, no. Oh. It's an insect from South America. I can't remember the name of it. It starts with a C. Chimera. Chimera.
0: I don't know why. Crimean. I'm oddly disappointed that it's not ladybugs, and I have no idea why I would be disappointed that it's not ladybugs.
1: Well, not all ladybugs are red. They're not. No, there's yellow ladybugs and
0: oh yeah, that's right.
1: Stuff. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's really cool because it, it, a lot of food products, not just Mentos. I just know that Mentos, the red Mentos, are made. The they get their red color from bugs.
0: I so didn't even know there were red Mentos. <laughs> what? I don't eat a lot of Mentos. I don't know what to tell you. Liar. I'm I'm not into the fresh maker. Maybe that's why I don't succeed in weird things all the time.
1: Yeah, you need to get you some red Mentos. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, what's great about it is um, Starbucks went to this type of dye uh, a couple years ago Mm. to say that um, they were going to move away from artificial ingredients. And because (laughs) this is a natural ingredient, and it's made out of bugs, and it makes things red, they were going to put it in their food products, which it's in a ton of food products. Yeah. A lot. But I'm guessing
0: Starbucks customers flip their shit.
1: Not Starbucks. Not technically Starbucks customers.
0: Vegans went absolutely bonkers. (laughs) Well, more so. I think that you need that caveat. (laughs) They went more bonkers than they usually are.
1: True, but I I think that that is great because the vegans were like, "No, we want our artificial flavorings. We want our artificial <laughs> ingredients." I
0: would we... rather get bone cancer than have one insect be harmed because of me. <laughs> I would rather have my testes shrivel up to. Oh wait, that's yellow number five. Sorry, whatever.
1: Anyway, I got the I got the Mitt Romney question. Yeah, though. I got to ask. Where did you come up with that? <laughs> I I watched the Run DMC. Uh music video the walk this way mm-hmm. and when they're panning the crowd and they're doing like their thing and they, they go to the live audience section of the music video there's a guy that looks just like Mitt Romney and I'm just oh, okay. like
0: hmm well, maybe they're all too. maybe it was Mitt Romney
1: and <gasps> I don't think it is but John I thought the fact that he's from Massachusetts and Aerosmith is from Massachusetts, I thought that that might be a little bit more plausible.
0: John Kerry was in an episode of Cheers. Was he? What did he do? Was he? he I, don't, I barely remember. He was outside the bar. Norman Cliff talked to him for some reason, and that's all I remember. He appeared as John Kerry, though.
1: Maybe they were talking to him about swift boats and swift boats in Vietnam. <laughs>
0: That's right, windsurfing. Right, if right. Was anything, it was a wind I think that was a good
1: episode. Well, we got to do The Vault. Oh, that's right, The Vault. I almost the forgot. Vault. Okay, we should have saved trivia for last.
0: Damn it, damn well, it, damn it. Damn the it. Vault is going to need our concentration.
1: Okay, so let's talk about The Vault. The Vault is uh, a legacy movie that goes beyond a list. So It becomes uh, protected. It becomes protected under the law. In The Vault, <laughs> in the vault. if you will from scrutiny from, I guess the best way to describe it is, is when we're talking about our top 10 lists, there's no need to put star Wars in your top 10 list because it's going to just it's exist. A it's a given it is. It will be at the top of everyone's list. And if it's not at the top of your list, there's something desperately wrong with you. But anyway. I feel like
0: if you put it in the vault, you can technically criticize a movie, but you're like a bully for doing so. <laughs> like you could criticize. Star Wars, any of the three originals. But, you know, fuck you. Right.
1: <laughs> like, if you're going to criticize Star Wars, make it the prequels, and we'll be okay Yes,
0: exactly. Maybe even some of the new ones we don't. I can't even criticize Episode 7. Still enjoy it, still criticize it. But you can't criticize the first three. Just no,
1: it's because it, it it's exists true. in the Legacy Vault. It's in the Vault. So let's talk about the the movies that we're going to put in the Vault, or the movie. Because we're only going to choose one, and we're going to hash it out here.
0: Then we're going to do it again later with different pair.
1: Yes. I'll pick a yeah. movie for next week. that's going to be... So so the movies that we have this week to be debated are Pulp Fiction, which is the one I brought to the table, and A Few Good Men, which is the one that Steve brought to the table. Yes. So I guess I'll start by saying that I think Pulp Fiction deserves to be in the vault, deserves to be above and beyond all the other movies that would exist on peasants' lists. uh Or the fact that, A, it's a good movie. It's a really, really good movie, start to finish. I agree with you. Uh, It's very unique in the way it does things. And it's unique in a way that I think when it came on the scene, it was something that people weren't, not necessarily hadn't seen before, but it certainly wasn't anything anybody expected. And, you know, for all the problems that Quentin Tarantino has in his life, and I think that he really did a great job on Pulp Fiction. The casting was perfect. Nobody is miscast in that movie, as far as I'm concerned. The writing is fantastic. It gives us some great quotes. Uh,
0: there is a random appearance by Julia Sweeney, which has always made me scratch my head a little bit.
1: Julia Sweeney. Ooh. She was an
0: SNL cast member for a few years. She's oh, there at the end. with.
1: She gets in the car with the wolf.
0: Yes. It's just kind of a random. Okay. But I know exactly the scene you're talking
1: about, and I actually like that scene. It's it's a it shows. I'm not saying the role. scene. I'm
0: just saying her has a choice. Well,
1: okay. I she's,
0: mean, there's nothing comedic about it. And she was a comedian. There was nothing. I don't know. It was weird.
1: Well, she's she's not a supermodel. She's not a supermodel. yeah, but she
0: did it for me. Not gonna lie. Just so you know.
1: <laughs> when she did Pat, was it because
0: uh, yeah, Pat? <laughs> I'm a very sexual being.
1: Yeah. Um. I, yeah that I find that casting choice to be odd in the sense that she was a little bit out of place like it like if he was getting into a car with like some real supermodel it wouldn't have surprised me because he's the wolf sure yeah he's supposed you know? to be like
0: the man
1: the wolf is supposed to be the man so the fact that he gets in the car with her is just that much more fascinating that you know, that, you, 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 know can't, you don't give
0: that one to you You're right that makes you think about
1: it you can't question his choices because he's the wolf. So it's like, what is it
0: about her? What? what yeah, she... she have?
1: Right. And he seemed... The wolf, to me, seems like the kind of guy that would sit down and have an interesting conversation with anybody. Like, mm-hmm. he'd sit down next to a homeless person and probably have the most interesting conversation in the world. Do <laughs> you know what I mean?
0: So and we know some homeless people, so that takes some Yeah, <laughs> I,
1: I know some homeless people that I do not want to talk to. That I don't I even... Remember. So. Not even for one word. I don't even want to be in there. When they do talk to
0: me, I have to punch them. <laughs> yes, that's right. We we're not as horrible as we sound. We work in a jail. <laughs> <laughs> um. So
1: anyway, I don't know. Pulp Fiction is my choice. Casting, writing, uh, pace, uh, whatever formula it, it has. Um, just from scene to scene to scene to scene, I'm engaged the entire movie, and at the end, I'm incredibly satisfied. I believe that this movie should go into the legacy vault in order to be known as one of the best. Okay.
0: I just want to say one thing. When I watched it in college, I had friends that only liked it because they felt like Bruce Willis and Bing Rhames were going to establish a friendship. (laughs) So just keep that in your noggin. That's the only reason they like that movie because they were confused. They didn't like how dark and weird it was. But they felt like because Bruce Willis came back and saved... you know, Marcellus Wallace. Marcellus Wallace. There was going to cool? be friendship. I like that. Be yeah. cool?
1: Yeah. It's like, those
0: we guys are going to be friends, man. They're going to work together, and they're going to they're gonna be friends. Oh,
1: yeah. they could be like a buddy cop movie. Yeah.
0: That that could be a Pulp Fiction sequel.
1: I like some of the conspiracy theories that are around. I love the one that uh, Marcellus Wallace is wearing a Band-Aid on the back of his neck, so people are saying that... The the devil took his soul through his.
0: I yeah I've heard that yeah yeah, yeah. that's this, what's in the this, briefcase
1: yeah yeah there's all kinds of theories I I enjoy that it's still making us talk today.
0: I think my personal theory for what was in the briefcase was the one pound Reese's peanut butter cups.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah, that we would good? make me yeah drop my jaw in awe. Okay, so that's <clears throat> your vault choice. It's a very quaint choice, but <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I'm not gonna shit on yours. Yeah, you will. <laughs> Probably. But Okay, so let me explain why I think A Few Good Men is an unassailable movie because A it stands a test of time. It's and I'm not saying Pulp Fiction doesn't but for a movie that takes place in the early 90s it doesn't matter because it's military so it's impervious to the passage of time and it's the legal system which sadly enough is also impervious to the passage of time but this is a hyper-focused movie with no you said there's no wasted characters or miscast characters in Pulp Fiction I say A the same thing about A Few Good Men and B there's no wasted moments in that movie there's nothing you would ever snip out of that movie for any reason Like everything has a at, at least even just for characterization purposes, but everything has a reason. It's all building to a, one of the best climaxes, well of the most memorable climaxes in movie history is when he finally gets Jessup to admit to the code red and all that stuff.
1: You don't think there's at least one second of wasted time with Tom Cruise looking off in the distance trying to think of a solution?
0: It's characterization, man. It's <laughs> You need to have him struggle. You need to have him come to that moment of inspiration he needs, you know? If he just got it, if he's just like Oh, that sucks! That dude shot. himself. wait, I know what to do. And you know, hey, that's That would be terrible. That would. That would be a horrible, horrible movie. Well, I sure think other aspects, but not I think
1: uh, this movie benefited from being a play first.
0: Yeah, I've heard that, but I never so saw the play.
1: I think that they were able to wring out every last drop of awesomeness. Which doesn't make, detract maybe.
0: from the fact that it is awesome, right? Maybe it had a springboard, but it works. Every every cast like Jack Nicholson is always Jack Nicholson in every movie, but he's definitely the best version of Jack Nicholson in this movie. You know? Yeah. Uh Kevin Bacon was perfect as the uh guy that's kind of his friend, kind of not Keeper Sutherland as an asshole was brilliant, I thought.
1: Yeah. He but, he does play that part perfectly
0: yes he's like he's like that dude that you know that is so sure of everything he's his life is about that anybody else around him is just an idiot mm-hmm. you know he's that guy and even um who's probably the most inconsequential character was um demi Moore's. but i mean they could have cast that with anybody
1: you're sexist
0: i know i'm sorry <laughs> i'm terrible i am they will
1: have to remake it now to make the. Main no movie.
0: i i'll take that back i'll try to regain my non-sexist state the most inconsequential character is that third guy in the tree whose character <laughs> name i can't remember so yes that's probably the most inconsequential character probably. even he is necessary to round out the dichotomy between demi moore and
1: tom cruise and getting to the truth
0: and getting yes he's he's there to be the kind of the, the tether between them the, the referee like goalkeeper whatever whatever you want to call it so he's necessary he's just the most inconsequential character but he's not inconsequential because the movie is brilliant and has no wasted space
1: i think what i take away from this movie that i think is a probably the best message is that tom cruise could handle the truth and jack nicholson had it all wrong (laughs) he He could handle it like a champ
0: he he lost his cool he wanted the truth but he couldn't handle it because did he he not handle it though he didn't handle it because he gave, he got the truth about, you need me on that wall. You, know? you want might not me on like that me. wall. You might not like to talk about what I do. And he didn't. Tom Cruise absolutely did not want to think about it or talk about it. He just wanted to get Jessup. So he couldn't handle the truth. He had to find his own sub-truth. <laughs> the under-truth, the uter-truth, as it were. Okay, so... Now
1: we have to weigh these two movies against each other because only one can go in the legacy vault tonight. Tonight. So I will concede and say that A Few Good Men is probably a better movie for everybody. Okay. I can't say that it's a better movie for me. But for for the every person, I think A Few Good Men certainly... Certainly better for everybody else in the world. More people could sit and enjoy that movie than they can sit and enjoy Pulp Fiction. I think Pulp Fiction might not go good against a few good men simply because it is so unique.
0: Pulp Fiction. And
1: Pulp Fiction is so unique that it's kind of its elitism is kind of a niche. Mm -hmm. It's a certain type of people are going to find that this movie to be superior. So I mean,
0: cinephiles will definitely be on board with Pulp Fiction. Like if you are somebody that appreciates the nuances that go into script and plot structure and even like old movie callbacks and stuff like that, that Quentin Tarantino throws into his stuff, you're going appreci- to have multi-level appreciation of Pulp Fiction. Right. That is, and I'll frankly admit it's not there in A Few Good Men. A Few Good Men is a tight, engaging story. That's going to appeal
1: to more people than yeah. a quirky, good movie. Right. <laughs> like I, I enjoy Kill Bill. Yeah. And I think that I'm in the minority.
0: Oh no, I, I enjoy Kill Bill too, both of them even.
1: Right. But I, I think that it's a ridiculous like when I watch Kill Bill thirty seconds into well, maybe not thirty seconds, because they he draws out that first scene for a very long time, which is engaging. But you get I get halfway through Kill Bill and I know ninety percent of the people watching this movie are rolling their eyes. Like this is stupid. And I can that It's see over the that. top
0: for a reason. Like it's over the top and it knows. Right. Like if 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 I'm watching a movie that's over the top but it it's in on the joke, you know, the movie itself is aware of itself. Right. Then I'm okay with that.
1: Yes. And that's what and this is. If I watch a
0: movie that's over the top but it's not, I find that hilarious. So I can appreciate it <laughs> different in a different aspect, but right. expendable?
1: <clears throat> right. Um so I'll concede and I'll say that. A Few Good Men Can Go Into the Vault Tonight. I do think that Pulp Fiction will be better suited to go up against another movie of its of its caliber.
0: To be magnanimous, I will tell you this. I will say that Pulp Fiction will be... A, uh, it's like a genre of its own. It's like it becomes its own category type of yes. thing. And that's something like... Things are compared to Pulp Fiction more than Pulp Fiction is compared to anything else.
1: Okay, here's a question. Now, now that we've decided that... <clears throat> A Few Good Men Can Go in the Vault and Pulp Fiction can't. It's done. What's done is done. I want an honest answer from you. Mm. 20 years from now, which one is more likely to be remade?
0: Oh, Jesus. Pulp Fiction. All day long. And which is a tragedy. Because I have my own strong opinions about remakes. But somebody is going to try to make, remake Pulp Fiction and they're going to butcher it. Well, you know, I say that, but, but you, you know, I, I take that back. Remakes are like the poor man's money, you know, it's it's just it's, Remix of the poor man's pr- profound nostalgia, if you know what I mean. I, I don't know what I'm trying to say. I'm just word salading it here, I guess. They they're very cosmopolitan, they're very egalitarian. They try to hit as many and as wide an audience as possible. If you're going to do a remake, you're going to pick something that was popular, which Pulp Fiction is. But it's also, at least in its earlier years, was called a cult classic for a reason. It was a cult movie. Whereas A Few Good Men is a story that could just be tweaked a little bit. You know, make it the Air Force instead of the Navy. Make it, you know, an actual murder of an accidental death. You know, something. You can tweak a little bit, but you can remake it. It's very reapplicable and it's very remakeable, which I still think, like, it was a play so, and it was made a movie, so it's obviously remakeable. So I gotta take it back. I can say in 20 years, somebody's gonna try to remake a oh, few good men more than Pulp Fiction.
1: Because Pulp Fiction can't be improved upon or.
0: It's just, it's so much its own thing that if you're going to remake Pulp Fiction, you're just going to remake Pulp Fiction, right. you know? Like, it's going to be like a shopper shot redo. <laughs> Otherwise, it's just not going to be Pulp Fiction. Agreed. Maybe I should, maybe I should get see. Maybe Pulp Fiction should go in the boat. Too late. Vault's closed. I don't, I don't Shun know. it. I almost just convinced myself to throw my own movie out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what I do. I mean, um, you made me regret waiting I'm sorry. I'm so sorry.
1: <laughs> Don't apologize to me. Apologize to the listeners. They're the ones that have to deal with this.
0: I'm such a wishy-washy stylist. <laughs> <spirals. laughs>
1: um so that's good. We'll um we'll end it there and All right. I think that we teased what we're doing next week, which we have to set that up.
0: Um we need to do that before we yeah. actually do. <laughs> yeah. We need to so, do the thing before we do the podcast.
1: Yes. Yes. So next week at this time, or depending on what order people listen to this, <clears throat> the episode after this one is going to be special. We are going to, um, we're going to do something fun.
0: We're going it'll, to be special. It'll be special. we we'll be better people. Next, yeah. And you'll be able to tell. Yeah.
1: So until then,
0: uh, I'm Bob Scullin.
1: And I'm Frankenstein Mulder. <laughs>
0: I think you have a new first name every time. Probably. <laughs>
1: uh, until next time, did me in the money belt. <laughs> All right, see
0: ya. Out.